0: Hey gamers, welcome to Game Avenger, the podcast where gamers dive deep into the gaming industry. I'm John, your fellow gaming enthusiast, and the host of this epic journey. You know, I've been a gamer for as long as I can remember, starting with those pixelated adventures on classic consoles. Video games have been more than just a hobby for me. They've been a source of inspiration, entertainment, and even a way to connect with others who share that same enthusiasm. Now, why Game Avenger? Well, it's about having an independent voice in the gaming community. This podcast will be a space where we can discuss the good, the bad, and the downright mind-blowing aspects of the industry without any filters, nor corporate agendas here, just real talk about the games we play. Each week, we're going to be previewing upcoming releases, providing our early reactions and reviews on the latest games, and stirring the pot with some real talk about the industry. So... Are you ready to level up your gaming experience with Game Avenger? Hey, everyone. It's John and Nathan here with Game Avenger. Nathan, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. Ready for the week. That's right. We're recording here on Sunday, February the 25th. Uh, this is something we've been looking forward to for quite some time. For those that are tuning in, you probably already noticed by the episode description, this is the first ever episode of Game Avenger. We are starting something new today, Nathan. Every episode will kind of have its own different type of flavor. You're not always going to have an episode such as this where we kind of dabble in a little bit about everything, whether that's like previews to upcoming releases, talking about in the news as far as the gaming industry, early reactions or reviews to video games. We're going to kind of touch on all those elements on this episode, but in our weekly releases, they'll probably be a little bit more focused. Nathan and I, we've talked about this too, uh, with crazy schedules. It's not always going to be the case where the both of us are going to be recording together, but we want to make sure that we turn out these episodes on a weekly basis. You should expect them uh, every Friday. Unless there is like a public holiday or, you know, God forbid, I get sick or whatever may happen. But our goal is to get these episodes out every Friday. So with that being said, let's go ahead, Nathan, and dive into some topics here in the gaming industry. So why don't
1: you uh, tell us that, uh, what you found here? Yeah, there's quite a bit of stories I could go on. But as John just mentioned, I I do want to highlight some maybe lesser known uh kind of news and games. And the first one I'm gonna briefly talk about is High Five Rush. It's uh it's an indie game that came out on PC with high reviews. It's I think it's got like a ninety seven percent like approval. And for all of people, it was game of the year for last year. Like I, I know I saw some lists where they had that as their, their number one game for last year. So what is it? It is a rhythm based action game came out last year in January it's going to come out recently announced it's come out on the Xbox series and then PlayStation on March 19th it just it's uh it just has a, a a lot of personality and style and music and some of it's original music some of it's a remix of other songs and stuff and that plays to you you actually like the action part of it the pushing the buttons and commands for, spec- like, combos and stuff actually go to the beat of the music and to use the timing and the rhythm of the music to input these codes and stuff. And you can also carry, and as the farther you get on the games, you unlock more and specials and characters, and it's just a fun game that I I highly... I haven't actually finished this, but I have, 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 have um, enjoyed it a lot with my time with it, and I highly recommend people at least give it a try as it comes out to the consoles. So is this game officially within
0: that umbrella of Microsoft Studios? I see the developer is Tango Gameworks. I didn't know if it was Bethesda or which studio is behind this game. Uh, If I recall, it was Bethesda. Okay. And by the way, when we say like Microsoft and Xbox, they're synonymous. So that's huge with that game coming out on the PlayStation 5 being an Xbox property. I heard this game also kind of, from a graphical standpoint, it kind of blurs the lines between gameplay and cutscenes. scenes. I just heard that through, like, just some random, like, comment thread. Can you talk more about that? Like, is there any truth to that? Or why would you think someone would say that?
1: Because a lot of the, yeah, they so a lot, like, especially in the beginning, it's kind of a tutorial between... The, how you play and stuff so they use a lot of the cut scenes to kind of guide you into the game so you get the rhythm and the flow of it and then also like i'm not necessarily the biggest rhythm game person but they also have a lot of like settings and stuff to also help you like honestly i had a hard time with like the parry so there's some settings that kind of you only have to dodge it at least once instead of like maybe like five times and then two you can kind of get used to it so that has a lot of like just um, some neat features in there to also help you with it. So if it's not your kind of game, they do have settings in there to kind of make it a little more friendly too. Well,
0: I, I, I'm interested. I haven't played it yet, but you've inspired me to pick that up. So, and again, we'll t- I'll be touching on this here a little bit later in the episode. I, I'm I love the fact that this is an Xbox property coming out on the PS5. What else is happening right now you want to talk about?
1: All right. So, Rocksteady. So, I'm sure everyone has heard of Suicide Squad and has there's a lot of opinions on that game already. It was announced that the expectations for the game is falling pretty short, as far, far as both cells and just people playing. I think the, at least according to the Steam counts, it's maybe like a, a thousand people playing on it instead of... Yeah, it's well below what they were expecting. So there, you know, a lot of talks of it, just how it's underperforming. And really, I mean, I don't know how much people kind of follow this as development from its first announced. Because I can remember when it was first announced. Uh, I was curious and excited. I'm a big fan of Rocksteady and the Arkham games. I could talk about a lot about that. Not for one, I'm a big Batman fan. And two, just those games catchers the gameplay and just the story and graphics and the music. The more, you know, as time kind of went on, the more information, then they had the gameplay trailer and a lot of people were underwhelmed with this game. And then it really just the before that got more information it got about those games. I think a lot of people just kind of their enthusiasm pretty much kind of went away with it as time went on. Uh, There's a lot into that. So real quick, I do want to say, Any, though, there's, in a lot of ways, uh, the Suicide Squad has a lot of, like, gaming trends that I I would say I'm not a fan of, especially with kind of how they were hoping to do more, like, live service and all these updates and kind of the after-game stuff. Any, though, it has a lot of features. I I don't want games to go. I also don't want games to just bomb and, you know, just, like, I'd rather a game be successful than a failure. So... I don't to Ravel in the kind of the bad news that they're going through but if anything hopefully this would make them kind of change gears and maybe rethink their strategy for something else but I think I don't remember the exact time they, they planned this game for at least five years maybe longer I don't remember the exact date they had long term goals for this game um, so they're going to have to rethink their strategies when it comes to this I'm going to let you speak a little bit because I know there's a lot we could be said on this game this game's been delayed multiple times if I'm not Yeah, it mistaken. took it took nine years to develop. Jeez. Um, I don't I don't remember the you know, original time, but yeah, nine years is the only time. It and I I appreciate your point, Nathan,
0: about like how do, how does it benefit us as gamers if a game fails? Especially if you're a fan of the IP. And although I'm not nearly as huge of a Batman fan that you are, Superman's my guy. I like comic books, for crying out loud, and if there's a comic book video game, heck yeah, I want it to be successful. This is disappointing. And I'm going to get into some spoilery territory here, so if you haven't played the game, you really want to play it, and you don't want to get spoiled, then look at our episode description and skip over the segment here, but what did Rocksteady think they were going to get when this is one of the final performances by Kevin Conroy... And you straight up kill him, and being Batman, and the Justice League. Yeah, I, I know it's in the title, okay? But like, from the studio that saved the Batman video game with the Arkham trilogy, and now and you kill the same Batman from the Arkham trilogy. What the heck were you thinking? I, I mean, you, you're such a diehard Batman fan, and I know we want to keep it about the gaming here and we're talking about the game,
1: but like just from a story standpoint, what are your thoughts to that? No, it's very honest. Satisfactory. Um, Yeah. So there is some rumors that it wasn't the final. He's there's still some other possibilities of either him returning or maybe in another dimension. Yeah, I think they, there's, hence maybe, you know, it, there may be more to Batman's story, but still, the way they handle it for the for the campaign, and honestly, not only that, Flash. I don't know if, how much you've like you've seen or spoiled for that. Like they kind of do a pretty disservice to him too. The um, if you really watch a lot of the, you can watch a lot of YouTube. And there's all sorts of videos of this already, but really the only one that gets kind of like a hero's death is like kind of Wonder Woman. But any Superman's kind of in the week. I don't know if you've seen or heard how that goes, but. They don't really do, like, characters, I feel like, justice. Yeah, I mean, it's just disappointing. I mean, the the Batman level that they do in Suicide Sky Squad is an interesting take because of how they flip it. Because it's, like, it's kind of like, you know, how you're always the Predator in the Arkham games. So now you're the kind of the victim going through, like, all this stuff where he's laying traps and stuff. And there is a lot of, like, really cool call-outs in the levels to the Arkham games. And they did a lot of like neat artwork and stuff into it. Like they they put their they put some care into his level and stuff, but just not how he goes out. <laughs> yeah, I would just say it's underwhelming and disappointing. And uh, you know, they may be able to salvage it from, you know, there's all sorts of rumors of going on with that. But we'll just have to wait and see, honestly. Well, I guess just like in the movies, the multiverse can
0: fix bad decisions. From a story standpoint, maybe it was just a variant of Batman that got killed. Who knows? But it's a head scratching moment. Hopefully, over time, they can add content
1: to that game that makes it a little bit more of a worthwhile experience. Yeah, the question is, is it already too late? (laughs) Is what I'm sure they're going to struggle with. So, and it it may be. I mean, it, you know, there's been times when games have just totally missed and they just kind of have to let it drop. The, you know, the last Marvel's game, was it just Marvel's Avengers uh, with Square Enix? I mean, they, they dropped that one pretty quick. It didn't take too long. It didn't go as far as they originally planned. And there's other games like that as well. So I, I don't know. I mean, if anything, I hope this would uh, make them rethink their strategy and maybe make a better game from the results of this. Yeah, agreed.
0: Well, while... Suicide Squad has been disappointing. There are some games that the two of us have been playing right now. We're quite excited to share some of our early reactions to. I'll go ahead and start us off on that. I recently completed the demo for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. There's two parts to the demo. There's the flashback sequence that all of us that have played Final Fantasy VII, the original, I mean, are very familiar with when Cloud, quote-unquote, goes on a mission with Sephiroth to the Mako generator in Nibelheim. So you get to play that. And I have to say, I played a little more than two hours. I am very pleased with what I played. And I wasn't expecting from like a gameplay standpoint just to like knock my socks off. I just wanted the gameplay to be solid, especially in comparison to Final Fantasy VII Remake. Square Enix just continues to build on the gameplay mechanics that were int- introduced in the remake, but not with the script or anything like that. They, they play it safe. And that that was actually what I was hoping for. But the other thing I was hoping for that I got is in the Final Fantasy VII remake, obviously it was all in Midgar. And I was just yearning for that open world. And we get that in this demo. Probably not so much in the Nibelheim, portion of the demo because obviously it's very story driven but once you complete that portion you do go to a very open world with uh gosh is it junon juhan i can't remember which one it was it's the one with the big cannon it's the coast city but anyways i think it was junon you get to just go in that open field there's all these various enemy types and square enix in the demo they tell you like hey this is going to be different from the full version of the game we just did what we did just to enhance the demo experience, which I appreciated that uh, disclaimer. But this is where you're actually able to experiment with the new gameplay mechanics, like the synergy attacks are really huge on that. They're easy to activate. And then there's like the tag team, quote unquote, limit break moves that you can do. I've just played about 30 minutes into that portion. And so... I, I need to invest some more time just playing through that before the game finally launches on February the 29th, if I'm not mistaken, is the launch date uh, for that. And I'm like, my backlog is ridiculous. I don't know, Nathan, if I'm going to be able to get to play that on launch as much as I want to. <laughs> so try to finish uh, Phantom Liberty. So first things first. But I, Nathan, I am so pleased, seriously, with the Final Fantasy VII Rebirth demo. I know it's only a small sample size, but the from a story standpoint, with Square Enix, they were intentional in keeping some familiar lines of dialogue from the original on this demo, but they also took some liberties with other things that I feel like it wasn't breaking canon or anything like that, but it was like a fresh take. The last thing I'll say before I hand it over to you, and I don't know if this was in the Final Fantasy 7 remake, so you keep me honest here, but the camera was so close to cloud on the Final Fantasy VII Remake. If anything, that was kind of like my knock on it because I felt like, yeah, the camera was like a little too close. I couldn't see the entire environment. Although like midgar's is not a fully like expansive or anything. I just like the camera kind of going back a little bit more. And at least in this demo, the camera is a little further back. And I went into the settings and I noticed that you could change the depth of the camera with respect to the main character on the screen. So I, I thought it was a little thing, but I really appreciated that, especially when you're in that open world environment. You have to be able to see the landscape. So I thought that was a cool uh move by Square Enix.
1: Yeah. I don't remember if that was uh I know because I know that was my original one. I don't know if that's a something, a feature they added in at some point, or they just heard the feedback and put it in. But yeah, so I, I'm excited. I already have it pre-ordered. Can't wait to play. I I don't know if I'll actually play right away, but because I do have some games that I'm trying to beat currently. And so, speaking of that, a game that I have actually beat but started playing over again just because it's a game that I really enjoyed is Alan Wake 2. So, I'm a big fan of the original, which came out, I believe, nine years ago. Maybe it's maybe longer than that. It is... It's kind of a convoluted type story. It's also heavily influenced by both Stephen Keane and Twin Peaks. And so it has a very kind of serious tone, but also a goofiness to it. So I'm just going to kind of briefly talk about Alan Wake 2 and my experience a little bit. Things that I do like about the game is the graphics and presentation. I would say they have master the art of using live action scenes and woven into the gameplay it's kind of hard to explain to you experience it but it's it's very well done and the visual presentations are just really just i don't know if a lot of games can even do what they have done so it's, um, i would say they kind of master the visual presentation as far as the live actions i also really like the story and the narratives for the most part any though it can be kind of confusing and there's all sorts of there and Alan Wake 2 you play as two characters and at some point they give you a choice where you can click switch between them and continue the story so you can either take turns or you can play as one character all the way through now my experience with it it'd be best to kind of switch back and forth because their stories do actually tie kind of help tie into the story into the narrative but you can, if you want, like if one's more interesting than the other one, you you could easily just blow through one and then go to the other character. The other thing I really liked is the music and the sound. So a lot of it's original music and a lot of it is original music for the games and remixes from the first game. And the, it just has a really good, uh, like t- sets the tone for the, both the ending and the beginning because they have like kind of acts that goes into the game. So you have. I don't. I think there's nine acts of it I remember right, and each one ends with like a song, and then you play into the next. Game. Um, and then the sound effects, uh, the sound design, especially for Al, when you play as Alan, you are in the um, kind of the darkness world, and there is what it's called the t- Taken, and there's they look just like shadow figures and stuff, and so there's a lot of times where. Sometimes they're just kind of walking around, hovering around. You may get close to you. They're not actually harmless, and then every now and then one will attack you. But they, the, the sound design, is also really cool in these levels because you could have like they're gonna be whispering and talking to you and stuff. Then the music it just kind of goes back to that. Uh, there, there's. A... <laughs> there is a musical in this game and I don't know how to explain it until you, it, unless you play it but it's it can go on from 10 to 15 minutes and it's actually also why you're in combat so it's a, a very unique experience there is a few things that I, I would say I wasn't too thrilled about and mostly it, I'm just going to cover them real quickly Is I do feel like especially at the beginning it's very slow paced at, at the beginning and some of it's building up the characters in the world and some of it some of the gameplay elements is definitely it's kind of like like I said I've already beaten I'm starting over and I'm kind of already like oh I have to go through all this part again to get to the good stuff so it, it definitely has some pacing issues like I said you play as Alan Wake and then you also play as the character's saga Anderson I have mixed feelings so it's hard because you do actually get to kind of grow to like this as a character and but it's not until the very end but it's also some of the gameplay elements. She has something called the mind place. I'm not a fan of the mechanics of it. I, it's like it's supposed to be like a detective work, but it's really you're just clicking here, clicking here, and that's it, and you just kind of move on, and some it just becomes really tedious. And the other thing I would say is some of the enemy variety. There's not a lot for what I would like, especially with like you're in the woods a lot. And they have these wolves that attack you, and they're really cool, and they're really hard to be uh, the defeat and stuff. But that's it. Like they don't have, I mean, it would have been really cool to see a bear. I'm, I'll just, won't be lie, but because I mean, they've done like there's not many very... very you mostly fight the taken, and there's a few boss battles, and it just it. To me, I would like more variety, and that's something that could be fixed. They do have two DLCs that are story heavy, and so. I am excited to play those. So, but yeah, that that's that's the game that I'm currently playing and highly recommend. I think it's worth playing. I do think you I would encourage they kind of say you don't need to play the first one but I would encourage to play the first one to make try to make sense. They don't do a recap. They kind of cover some of the stuff, but I would recommend playing the first one. And the, and the first one takes I would say maybe at most 10 hours to beat. This one, Out On Way 2, takes about 20 and it can you could actually go faster. I'm 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 kind of slow, almost a completist, so I, I always take longer than the recommended game length. So yeah. Oh, thanks for
0: sharing your thoughts on that. I haven't played Alan Wake two. I, I will say I'm a big fan of the Herald of Darkness because when I saw that performance last year on the Game Awards, I'm like, what the hell is this? You got like this Door and all these people doing this ridiculous dance. And then I'm like, add it no more. So I go on YouTube right afterwards and I and I watch what you're talking about. It's like a 15 minute gameplay sequence and it's interweaving the full motion video with gameplay so well. Even though I haven't played the game, that sequence alone, I I just I can't disagree with your point about how well Remedy did that as far as taking live action and gameplay and making it cohesive. I have not played Alan Wake 1, and thanks for mentioning that about playing the original before going into the sequel, because I I've, I can't remember whom from Remedy mentioned the comment he said, you don't have to play the original, but if you play a saga, that it, it kind of helps explain what happened in the first one, but I'm going to take your word for it, because this seems to be very much a story-driven game. So if, you, if you're not tracking with the story, you're probably not going to enjoy it, gameplay aside. And the last thing I'll say, when you're talking about the the lack of variety at enemy types, it kind of gives me these vibes of Resident Evil 7 with the molded. Evelyn was a cool character, but that was the only different enemy type we had other than the molded. So is, is it that bad in Alan Wake 2, or is there a, maybe a little bit more variety than that of Resident Evil 7? Because these are both kind of like horror type of games, so that's why
1: I feel like it's relevant to talk about. I mean, it's it's a, I, if I had to think, it's there's like four typical. So you have like the wolves, the Taken, and then you have the Taken that speeds around really fast and throws things. And I feel like there's maybe one more, and then you have your bosses. So there's not there's not enough, honestly. Um Oh, there is one that's like merged with two of them, and it's kind of a, a good visual. It looks pretty. Yeah, it almost looks like it's a glitch where there are two characters kind of, like, mixed in. That's the other enemy type. But, yeah, they could do more, I feel like, especially with the the themes and the story, so. If I end up playing it, I'm going to have to
0: invest in some Pulse 3D audio headphones for this game. Do, do you play with the headset? I do. All right. I'm going to... It's de- it's depressing how big my backlog is, and and I thought... I was going to be making some headway here, but it seems like I'm going to have it to add another game. that be an Alan Wake 2 to the list. It, it probably will have to come after Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth. Though, so we'll be a little bit delayed on my part, but well, that's cool. Well, thanks for sharing your thoughts on that, Nathan with Alan Wake 2. And if anything, I can go back and play Alan Wake 1. I don't have the remastered version, but I do have, I think I got a free copy of it when I purchased, when I got, quantum break years ago that's a bad game by the way
1: <laughs> the <laughs> remake for alan wake does improve some small tweaks i okay. kind of recommend that one but if you it, it's not a, it just kind of helps the gameplay aspect because in the original one you run out of breath really quick and they kind of help that in the new one because i mean he's a writer so he's not going to be <laughs> that athletic but it is kind of a it's a little annoying and i think they extended some of the light mechanics so anyways you can play that one but it doesn't hurt to play the remake because it did make some gameplay play to, to kind of help
0: all right so that was fun speaking about final fantasy 7 rebirth and alan wake 2 now comes the portion of our recording where i'm going to be addressing a controversial or concerning industry topic or as i like to call a hot take i know not completely original but I'm just going to let it go and just kind of let people know what I'm concerned about that's happening in the industry. So, with that being said, I want to talk about tribalism and video games. I'm almost 40, and I can't recall a time where we did not have tribalism and video gaming. I remember growing up during lunch period, it would be a fun time where you get to talk about all the games that you're playing. And I was guilty. Of this all a at one time or another where it's like, oh, Genesis does what Nintendo don't. And you would have like a side of the fence. Were you a Sega guy or were you a Nintendo guy? And this happened for the longest time as far as, well, it's 8-bit. Well, we do 16-bit and all this baloney. And this has been going on for time and time again. Us as gamers, we have been guilty of this, especially just with social media, go on any comment thread when there is some news about, Oh, this console's not performing as well, or this game's not performing as well. Uh, I don't want the Xbox to succeed because I have a PlayStation or you got Xbox fanboys saying the same thing about the PlayStation. I just don't get this. Why, why do we feel like we'll benefit as gamers when there's a console that's going to fail. I don't get it. Bill Spencer, years ago, uh, he talked about this in November of 2020, which is an interesting time. That's when Xbox Series X and S were about to launch alongside the PlayStation 5. I'm just going to read this quote from him, and this is from The Verge. And he said, To be honest, I love the industry that I'm in. This is a job I love. My wife will tell me it's the only job I'm qualified for, but this is definitely the job I love. But that tribalism in the industry, if there is anything that would ever drive me out of the industry, it's actually that what you're talking about. When a team releases something into the market for the world to tear it apart on the internet, it's just such a brave thing for a team to do. I'm never going to vote against any creative team or any product team to do poorly because I have a competitive product. It's not in me. I don't actually think it helps us in the long run in the industry. But especially in the console space, there's like a core of the core that I have, I think, taken it to the destructive level of, quote, I really want that to fail so the thing that I bought succeeds. I'm saying on both sides, I'm not saying that it's all people crushing Xboxes and everybody that loves Xbox is always completely inviting to all the PlayStation stuff. I said before that I find it distasteful, but maybe that it is too light. I just really despise it. End quote. There's other things in this article, but I thought Phil Spencer hit the nail on the head. Again, there's been recent reports on the Xbox being outsold by the PS5 due to various reports two to one. And then we also hear from Sony executives, I think it was last week, That the PS5, giving its um, not meeting the sales target, is in its latter phase of its current console. And then, days and weeks before that, there is this huge uproar from the gamers about oh, is Xbox completely changing their strategy and not being confined to the Xbox hardware, and they're releasing the Xbox games on other platforms. What does that mean? And even Xbox gamers, like Xbox enthusiast gamers, they were like saying, oh my gosh, why are PlayStation gamers and Nintendo gamers able to play Xbox properties? It's just so deflating. I own a PS5, a Series X, and a Switch. I'm about to purchase a Steam Deck OLED. And one, it's because my passion is gaming. But secondly, I'm all about the software. So whatever allows me to enjoy these games, that being the hardware, I'm all for it. I'm not, I'm not loyal to a particular brand. I'm just loyal to the medium. I know that sounds kind of corny, but that's a reality. And I'm, I commend Xbox for, I believe they're they're leading the charge on breaking those barriers to entry to their library. And yeah, right now it's like four games. They haven't officially announced which games they are, but there are four games that are going to be on other platforms other than the Xbox hardware. And so I think that's going to be an experiment. You're not going to open the entire library and just go balls to the wall and have all your games on every other console. And I think Phil Spencer and team spoke to that last week on their podcast about their strategy, but I commend them for doing this because I think there is a wealth of rich titles within the xbox library you talked about hi-fi rush that's bethesda xbox was able to conclude their acquisition of activision blizzard and king there's going to be a plethora of titles other than call of duty on other platforms and again people were concerned microsoft acquiring activision blizzard like ps5 gamer am i not going to get my perks for call of duty Spoiler alert, people, if you, and if you're a really big fan of Call of Duty, good for you. But you you've been playing the same game every year for a few years now. Okay. So you're 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 really not missing out all that much. But people were concerned about that. They were like, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna get my Call of Duty because now Microsoft acquired it. And Phil Spencer team have been very clear, that's not the case. And we have got to stop this whole PlayStation needs to win or Nintendo needs to win or Xbox needs to lose. I saw this years ago when the Sega Dreamcast dropped on September 9 and 99, 99.99. By the way, that, I thought that was like the perfect launch date, just given how unique that date was. But I loved my Sega Dreamcast. I just loved the games that came out on that with Soul Calibur, Power Stone. There, there were so many titles that I was really looking forward to playing, and I really enjoyed that console it seemed like tribalism reared its ugly head again when they're like, well, just wait till the PlayStation 2 drops and the Dreamcast is not going to be in existence anymore. Now, that prediction came true and then Sega ultimately changed their strategy being from a hardware provider to more of a software content provider. And I think we've all benefited from that. Who would have thought that we would actually be playing as Sonic on a Nintendo console going back to what I was talking about being in lunch period as a kid about hey genesis does what nintendo don't could that be something we could see from Xbox with Marcus Phoenix and the Gears of War series on PlayStation maybe I would be all for it and I and I played that series from day 1 but hey if gamers PS5 gamers in particular haven't had the opportunity to play Gears of War Hey, more power to them. And listen, I know Sony has done some great things too. MLB, the show, that's a Sony property. You can play that on Xbox. And I hope that's what we're going to be getting in the future is with these companies being more open, cross-play, bringing the online community together rather than, oh, you have to just choose
1: one console and stick with it. So Nathan, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we're pretty similar, now, of course, when I was younger, I was a big Nintendo. That was my big thing. I was a Nintendo diehard. I, to me, it was the best. Everybody else, who cares? Luckily, I grew that pretty, pretty young too. Probably as young as nine or something. Anyways, um, competition helps. Uh, honestly, it helps us gamers because we want we want them to compete. We want the games to succeed. We want to not. We don't want everyone. Never want one person like to own all of it. We don't want Sony just to be Sony because then things would just get relaxed. And I don't think, you know, good games would breed out of that.
0: Like, to your point, I was guilty of that as well. Now, again, I was spoiled, okay? I had a Genesis. I had a Nintendo. But I did have friends of mine that were either all for Genesis or all for Nintendo. And I'm like, and unbeknownst to me... I could kind of see the limitations that you have if you're just confining yourself just to one brand. Now, again, if you're a fan of Nintendo, you're a fan of Xbox, or a fan of Sony, okay, that's fine. The purpose of this recording is not to convince you otherwise. As far as what we're talking about is that tribalism can and has held back the gaming industry. I, like many others, loved the Sega Dreamcast. I wanted that console to be successful just as much as the PS2 and the Nintendo GameCube. If all these hardware providers, the big 3, are successful, we'd benefit as gamers. And and I do recognize there have been hardware makers that released something that absolutely was horrible. It didn't have the software support. I think about like Philips CDi the Panasonic 3DO, the Atari Jaguar, the Nintendo Virtual Boy. There's a huge list where the consoles should fail because it doesn't have the content. Regardless, though, I, I commend Xbox and what they're doing. I hope Sony does more. I think the out of the big three, truthfully, though, the one company that needs to allow their properties to be played elsewhere, and I don't think it'll ever happen, but I guess never say never, is with Nintendo. Nintendo is a proud company, and rightfully so. They saved the video game industry during the gaming crash of the early 80s. We should all be thanking them for saving the gaming industry, specifically Miyamoto. Times are different now, and and I think right at this point, God of War series, amazing, right? It's a Sony property, but would it be cool to play that on a Series X? I think so. I know you can play it on the Steam Deck, even though the Steam Deck it's a portable PC, and I, and I'm really talking more about console gaming. I still think the Steam Deck and just Steam holistically can show these gamers they really love the content. You know, if you can. If they have a PC or a Steam Deck and they just don't want to fork out $500 for a PS5, but they do want to play God of War, they can run it on their PC. And so anyways, I I, I think we need to just get on with the times. I was guilty of this years ago. And again, I was fortunate that I had a lot of consoles <laughs> growing up. And yes, by the way, I did have a Panasonic 3DO, Nathan, if you are curious. I only had one game for it. It was Demolition Man. I don't know okay. why. But that console, man, that was it was $500 back in the day for that.
1: That's ridiculous. Yeah, I did not own that. I had a friend. The,
0: the games were horrible, though. There was just, like, no software on the thing.
1: Uh, so I had a friend that had a Virtual Boy, and that was a interesting experience. You can only play for 30 minutes. At least I could. I wear glasses.
0: And so my eyes are pretty messed up as is, so I don't need a virtual, I didn't need a virtual boy to uh, make it, make my eyesight worse. But, you know, even when that thing first came out, I wanted it to be successful. It's just the software wasn't there. It was just, it was a bad experience. But I think with Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony, they're offering great experiences, especially with Sony even though it's not fully adopted with virtual reality, at least they're pushing for that. And then Nintendo blurring the lines between console gaming and portable gaming. And then with Microsoft, I think they're they're using like smart devices, like some select Samsung televisions you can run the Xbox app on. And I think with them and Sony, you have like backbone you could use with uh, on your mobile device. The, the big three, I think they're making some strides. I think if anything... It's Nintendo. That probably needs to open the doors, or quote-unquote, open the forbidden door. Those are my thoughts on that. Anything else, Nathan, you wish to add?
1: I mean, I, I definitely agree with a lot what you said in your points. I do hope Sony would become a little bit more open. I know there's been a struggle to get them to kind of do, like, cross-play between any of the same games and stuff, so I really wouldn't hope that opens up so you can, you know, play... If somebody has a PlayStation can play on the Xbox on a multiplayer game, you know, like that kind of stuff just needs to open up. I don't know why we shouldn't have that restricted, honestly. So I hope that continues, man. Yeah. It's hard to imagine Nintendo ever letting go of that. I know you can never say never and things change, but they have such a hold on that part. I'd I, be curious to see what it would take for, to, for that to happen.
0: I do think where Xbox is going though, more and more of their library going to become available definitely on the ps5 not entirely sure on nintendo hey there fellow gamers we've reached the end of our very first episode of game avenger and what a journey it's been massive thanks to each and every one of you who joined us today starting this podcast with you all is truly exhilarating we're just scratching the surface and i'm pumped to dive deep into the gaming world together from new and upcoming releases to all the happenings in the video game industry. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss a beat. Also, please consider dropping us a review. It's like Experience Points for our podcast, helping us to level up and reach even more gamers such as yourself. We're in the process of setting up our various social media channels, and those handles will soon be listed in our future episode descriptions. Let's be sure to keep that conversation alive and build a stellar community of gamers. Remember, this podcast is all about you, fellow gamers. So if you got ideas brewing, topics you're itching for us to tackle, or you just want to shoot the breeze, holler at us. We're all ears. Until next time, keep those controllers warm, stay legendary, and we'll catch you in the next episode of Game Avenger, where every game counts. Take care, gamers.